Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to thank and pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi everyone and welcome to On The House, the Household Management Science Insights Podcast, produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with expert knowledge from professionals in the field. I'm your host, Gabriella Yastra, coming to you from NAM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's get started. Hi everyone and welcome back to the show. Uh, today we're going to be talking about growing indoor plants successfully with Madison Moulton who is a writer and editor in the gardening industry. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm going good today. Um, so before we get going, did you want to introduce yourself a little bit more so everyone can get to know you? Sure. Um, well, I first want to say thanks for having me on. Um, like you said, my name is Madison. Um, I'm a writer, editor, photographer in the gardening industry. Um, I spend most of my day researching trends and writing about them um, for magazines and digital publications and just generally teaching people how to take care of their plants. That's great. I definitely need help there. So can't wait to get Super into thing. this episode. Um, but before we do, we're going to do a section called, have you met Madison? Great. Um, so what's your favorite book? Favorite book is very tough. Um, there's, there's definitely a lot, but one that I've read recently that I enjoyed is called chaos machine, quite a dramatic title. Um, it's by Max Busher and it's about, um, social media and sort of how social media companies have, um, influence the world and change things. I'm super interested um, in the topic because I'm not really on social media a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just very well researched and, and super interesting. That's not, yeah, I've noticed um, my own habits have changed with social media. And I think, yeah, yeah it's, it's changed a lot of um, how our society works in some ways. So that'd be an interesting book to read. Yeah, I think lots of people's habits are sort of changing when they realize mm. how much it influences your daily life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there a movie that you've uh, enjoyed recently? Uh, recently, I struggle with movies. I'm one of those people that likes to rewatch things a thousand times before I watch anything new. Um, but I recently watched The Menu with uh, Ralph Fiennes. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just something that I've never seen before. It was really well done and super interesting. Uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, um, that's, what, what's that about again? It's very dramatic, but um, <laughs> no spoilers for anyone in case mm -hmm. anyone wants to watch it. But it's basically about a bunch of rich people that go to this very fancy restaurant on an island um, and the chef. It, yeah, it's he has some ideas about how to run his restaurant and it sort of devolves into into chaos. But yeah, I don't okay. want to spoil it because it is a great movie for anyone who wants to watch it. Okay, I'll have to watch that. My partner watched it and um, said I should watch it. Mm. Yeah, that'd be worth it. Mm -hmm. um, are you listening to any podcasts at the moment? Uh, for some reason, I gravitate towards podcasts about books. I don't know why, um, but my favorite podcast at the moment is actually 
an Australian podcast called Book Cheat. Mm-hmm. Um, Dave Warnicky is the the host, and he reads classic books that you would sort of read in school or that we're all supposed to have read um, Mm -hmm. and goes through the whole story with different comedians. um, And they just sort of talk about the book and um, the context around it. So that's definitely one of my favorites. Um, There's also a recent one called If Books Could Kill uh, that I love. I've already listened to all the episodes. There's only a few. Um, Mm -hmm. But he uh, goes through popular books that have sold like millions of copies and basically breaks down why the claims in them are sort of dubious and why their influences on society are questionable that kind of thing oh interesting yeah I think I think I've heard of the second podcast you mentioned and Mm. it is on my to listen to to listen list but yeah it's so long but yeah you must be really into books to to listen to so many books about a podcast about books yeah, I don't know why it started. I think I tried to get into audiobooks and I struggled there. So I thought that's when I found Book Cheat. Uh, I thought if I'm listening to a podcast about books, I can sort of learn about them at the same time. Um, and yeah, I just loved it so much. Um, one of the hosts of um, If Books Could Kill also has a podcast called Maintenance Phase. That's another super popular one. I'm very interested in, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, mostly the book-related podcasts are up my alley. Yep. Yes. Um, do you have a role model? Uh, role model is a, a bit of a tricky question because obviously the people that have the biggest influence on my life are sort of my family and friends and that, that influence me the most. But in terms of um, my career and what I do every day, there's a lot of people that inspire me. Um in Cape Town specifically, there's um, a flower farmer um, called the Dean who is, um, she's just expanded her whole farm to include um, peonies. There's, she grows the most stunning dahlias and there's just a whole uh, list of flowers that I would love to grow. Cut flower gardening is huge at the moment and I've mainly only grown houseplants because I haven't had the space. Um, now that I do have some extra space, there's so many cut flower farmers around the world that inspire me so my instagram is full of flowers at the moment and that's sort of my new year's resolution for the year what is cut flower farming uh it's basically like you think of traditional farming where you grow food and you harvest them so cut flower Mm -hmm. farming is just growing flowering plants to harvest them some people sell them some people dry them other people just um, grow them in their own um, homes for like use in their in their house um but uh yeah the it's sort of a large scale grow okay. flowers rather than just a traditional flower garden uh okay um so how do you define household management um household management i guess is sort of how you um structure and and build uh, habits around your daily life at home um, I spend a lot of my time at home because I work from home. Um, and it, I see how much of an impact household management has on my perception of the space, how I feel about my day. Um, so yeah, I think it's just really important to sort of have a routine and structure for your home that makes it feel like a calming and good place to be. And what are some uh, misconceptions about it? 
Um, I guess uh, I see a lot of the when I've been looking at sort of household management that like it's uh, hard work or that it's it's a lot of effort. But when you build these sort of routines, I found that it actually makes my day easier, um, makes me feel better, improves my mood. Um, so it doesn't have to be this sort of like annoying chore that you have to do. Um, I see it as more of like a positive uh, way to to structure things that makes things less complicated rather than more complicated. Yeah, I think if you've got the right system in your house, then it should be easier rather than harder. Yeah. Um, so what is the difference between like indoor plants and outdoor plants? Well, indoor plants, I suppose indoor plants as a definition don't really exist because plants <laughs> come from outside. But um, indoor plants, the way we describe them, are just plants that are happy to grow indoors. Um, so they're usually happy to grow in containers. They're relatively compact plants. You won't find giant trees growing indoors. Um, most of them are also from the tropics um, because they like warm temperatures and our homes are warm. They like high humidity, um, things like that. And most importantly, they're able to handle lower light than usual which is why a lot of the things we classify as indoor plants are actually just shade plants when you um, grow them outdoors. Um, but yeah, technically no indoor plant really exists. It's just things that we've grown or are able to grow indoors. Mm. So I guess why do people, why do people do this? Why do we take these outside plants inside? Well, the reason I started was um, I live in quite a green area. And when I moved away from home to go to university, I moved to a city where there's not a lot of plants. My home didn't have any greenery in it. So my first motivation was just I need nature around me. And the only space I had to grow um, was indoors. I think that's um, true for a lot of people nowadays. Um, and they do provide so many benefits, um, just having like a single plant, um, besides the aesthetic value, I just found that it makes the space feel lighter and cleaner, um, and brings you closer to nature, especially if you don't really have access to any of that, um, in your own home. And what are some challenges that people have with indoor plants as a the biggest challenge uh, most people talk to me about is just killing their plants. Um, whenever I say that I'm in the gardening industry and I grow house plants primarily, their first response is always, oh, I can't do that. I kill all of the plants that I try to grow. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the challenges revolve around uh, taking too much care of them, which is sort of an oxymoron, I suppose, or not taking enough care of them um but just generally the biggest challenge i think is trying to keep the plants alive and looking as good as as the day you bought them mm. so you said that people take too much care of a plant yes what does that look like are you petting the leaves every day like uh, a pet that's I mean, what i do mostly <laughs> it's the general fussing does have an impact on plants they generally like to be left alone um but sort of interacting with them daily is not a, a big issue it's more of the worrying about whether they're getting enough water so if they start to dry out you instantly rush to water them 
um, when they don't actually need it or constantly moving plants around because you're worried about whether they're in the right conditions. Um, but plants generally like to be left alone. Um, growing indoors is already not natural for them. So once you put them in a spot, it's best to just sort of leave them alone, enjoy them from afar and follow a few basic care tips um, rather than sort of messing with them every day. Um, repotting is another common one that people I think worry about a lot. Um, does my plant have enough space? But the more you repot them and the more you mess with the roots and the leaves, um, the more stress they'll get. So too much care is just sort of the the extra fussing that some people do that's really not necessary and ends up doing more damage than good. So you mentioned repotting. So I did have a plant that um, was growing really, really well and then it grew too big and it started dying. So I repotted it and it's done really well. So how yep. do you know when is a good time and when is a bad time to um, repot? It depends on uh, sort of the performance of the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people will want to repot as soon as they bring it home, which in some cases does work and in some cases doesn't. Um, it's normally best to look out for a few signs that they've sort of outgrown their space. Um, Mm -hmm. most indoor plants don't mind being confined to containers, especially for flowering plants, uh, the extra sort of stress there can actually encourage them to flower and produce more leaves, um, and grow better. But once the roots are really wrapped around each other and they have no more space to go. Uh, that's when it's time to repot. So they they might start growing through the drainage holes at the bottom. The leaves might turn yellow. Um, also, if there's less soil, it holds on to less moisture. So the pots start drying out really quickly. Um, and that's normally a sign that your plant needs just a little bit more extra space um, to grow and to allow you to untangle those roots that have wrapped around each other. And when you do get around to repotting them, like, are there any tips that you have to doing that? Um, I think my biggest tip is do it outside because I've repotted (laughs) indoors so many times and it's always a disaster to clean up. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also, I see a lot of people that just lay newspaper down. Um, But in terms of plant health, um, the biggest tip I would have is to do it quickly um, roots don't really like being disturbed or exposed to the air. So they would, um, prefer, uh, more time in the soil than, than out of it. Um, the sooner you repot. So it's a case where like, if you've taken the plant out of the pot, don't leave it there and go have a coffee while you're waiting to put it back. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, transfer from the one to the other water straight away so that it gets settled in um, and that will limit your chances of transplant shock. Okay, that's good to know because I have also tried to repot some other plants and they have not done so well. Yeah, it's also if they stress and repotting adds to the stress, sometimes it is necessary if they stress because they need to be repotted, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. Um, but as long as they have the right care and again, if you don't, fuss over them once you've repotted then after a few weeks they do sort of uh, go back to normal okay that's good to know um what about pets are pets problems for plants uh yes um it depends on what you want to grow 
Um, mm-hmm. There's some pet-friendly uh, house plants. One of my favorites is um, the spider plant, a chlorophytum, because um, it looks great. It's very easy to grow, and and pets are no problem. Um, I find I have a lot of older dogs. They're all over ten. They don't even take a second look at the plants. Um, but it's when you have um, puppies or cats especially like to sort of interact with the plants and a lot of them are quite dangerous um especially a lot of the aroids um contain calcium oxalate crystals which if ingested can cause a lot of problems um cut flowers are also um issues there was actually a case in cape town a few weeks ago where one of their cats was hospitalized from uh lilies and it's just Aww. like a basic interaction with, you know, they can brush past it. Mm. So um, if you do have curious pets, it's best to sort of do some research on what plants can be dangerous um, and which ones aren't dangerous to um, grow those or keep them very far out of reach um, to avoid any problems. Yeah, my cat was... Um, for a while destroying the plants that um, I think to yeah. get our attention. So we moved the spider plant um, into his reach because um, oh. we knew at least that one wasn't going to hurt him. Yeah. And then he ate ate a bit of that one, did not like it. <laughs> yeah, so, I also find keeping them out of reach um, stops them uh, from knocking anything over and cleaning yeah. up soil is never fun. So yes. that's also um, a helpful part of it. Eventually, I just moved them onto a different shelf so the cat couldn't get to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was much easier. Um, what are some other common problems that people have with their plants? Um, I think the the biggest problems are in sort of like the basic care elements and um, not understanding how they relate to their houseplants. Um, there's a lot of simplified advice on the internet, which is always well-meaning. But things like um, if you have infographics where there's watering advice and it's just three little dots for how much you need to water, doesn't really explain how it impacts your plants at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So in like things um, like watering are super important, um, lack levels are super important. And I think people can often get mixed up in the simplified explanations of all these things. Um, when those can end up being the biggest plant killers, like overwatering, because it can be so dangerous if it leads to root rot, is one of the biggest house plant killers. Um, and many people don't know that watering too often can kill your plants. Um, so I think the challenges sort of relate to understanding how these aspects of care have an impact and how they damage your plants, diagnosing any problems that may mm. arise so that you can um, bring your plants back to good health. So I guess how do you decide or how do you know how much to water your plants? Um, the first thing is research. Um, mm-hmm. There's um, when you've worked with house plants for many, many years, um, it's relatively easy to tell it does get easier. But when you're first starting out, knowing where a plant comes from um, has a big influence. Um, Although succulents are not really indoor plants, you definitely don't want to give succulents the same amount of water as you would a peace lily, for example. So knowing Mm -hmm. what they need from their native environments is important. 
Um, and then once you sort of understand the moisture levels that are required, um, I always recommend testing the soil every few days, just with your finger moving it around to see how much moisture is still in the container. I think a lot of people find it easier to sort of set a reminder on your phone once a week um, and then water then. But because environment has such a big impact on the moisture levels in the pots, um, Mm -hmm. changes in temperature, changes in light levels can all impact how much moisture remains in the soil. Um, If you water on a schedule, you sort of ignore all of those conditions which can lead to overwatering or underwatering at some point. So um, I always just test the soil every couple of days um, and then that lets me know the perfect time to water based on the actual moisture in the container rather than a a strict schedule. So you mentioned as well that people should research to find out what the conditions are for that those specific plants. But I've been in the position where my dad has handed me a plant and said, here you go. And then I send a picture of it to him and I say, dad, what's this, uh, what's the name of this plant? And he goes, oh, it's Fred. And I'm like, thanks dad. Um, so I don't know anything about this plant except that it's green and it has leaves. So how yeah. do I know what it's called so I can look it up and find out how to care for it? Um, if there's, if it's like a sort of traditional indoor plant, a lot of them are easy to recognize if you sort of look for lists of common indoor plants. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously not all are related. It might not even be able to grow or it might not even be a common indoor plant. Um, so there's a lot of apps that I've also used. I love using them when I'm like on hikes to um, find the names of interesting plants. Um, the results are questionable sometimes but if there is if it's sort of a common plant that a lot of people have tried to identify it normally is quite accurate in in picking those things up um i think the one i used is called plant scanner i'm not sure Mm -hmm. i haven't used it in a while um (laughs) but as long as you take sort of a clear picture then Mm -hmm. they're relatively good at identifying um what plant it is Uh, otherwise i would say find someone you know that knows about plants and and ask them (laughs) and hope it's they're not like my dad who was not used at all yes i also give my plants many colorful names so um Mm. i do i'm someone who would name their plants fred too (laughs) (laughs) um i don't name my uh plants interesting plants my jade plant is called jade my pearl plant is called pearl it's very easy (laughs) um what about like, do, so our water has chemicals in it, like chlorine and things. Is that a problem for the plants? Generally, yes. It depends on uh, the quality of your tap water. It's mainly a problem that affects people in very dense cities um, where there's a lot of chemicals added. Um, and again, some plants are more tolerant of it than others. Um, but when you continually water with tap water, the chemicals can build up in the soil. They hold on to uh, minerals and nutrients, um, and that can lead to problems in the roots later on. Um, it's similar to um, over-fertilizing, where if you add mm-hmm. too much fertilizer and there's too many chemicals around the roots, it can actually burn them. Oh. Uh, with tap water, 
it does take quite a while. Um, but over time, you'll sort of start to see your plants looking a bit sad and not as, as healthy as they could be. Um, it's tricky. It's recommended to use sort of filtered water or distilled water, but obviously that's, if you have a lot of plants, that's a bit difficult. So I always recommend, um, if you have a way to just collecting rainwater, um, it's the same water that they re receive outdoors in their native habitats. Um, and then you don't have to spend money on filtered water or anything complicated. Otherwise, um, you can water with tap water and then um, flush the soil around once or twice a month with filtered water to try and get rid of some of those chemicals. And then you can keep watering with tap water. Okay. So another method I've been told to use for watering my plants is to put them in the sink yes. and fill up the sink rather than like tipping the water into the pot. What's yes. the best way to water them? Uh, bottom watering is a great way to water plants uh, if it's done correctly. There's also a lot of risks involved. Um, mm -hmm. So depending on how dry the soil is, um, it will absorb as much moisture as needed from the water and then you can take the plants out. Um, but problems come in where people leave them in the sink for an entire day um, or sort of forget about them. Um, which can lead to um, problems with overwatering and root rot because they don't like to sit in water. Um, the other issue is that if you are using tap water or if you have overfertilized by accident, watering from the bottom doesn't flush any of those chemicals out of the soil. Um, mm. So I normally, what I do with my plants, because I have so many, is I grab them all stick them in the bath and leave them in the water for half an hour to 45 minutes. And then before I take them out, I just rinse uh, over the top also to get that top layer of soil moist, which normally doesn't happen when you water from the bottom. And then I can be sure that it's evenly moist all around, which sometimes doesn't happen when you water from the top. Mm -hmm. So how often do you do that? Uh, it depends on uh, the conditions, the temperature. I live in an area with very high humidity. It's uh, mm -hmm. up to 90% sometimes. So it doesn't wow. happen very often. Um, mm -hmm. I would say probably once every two weeks or so. Um, okay. And then if there is a specific plant, obviously they're all in very different containers. Um, so for those in very small containers where the soil dries out very quickly, I'll water those more often. Um, but the general large scale watering happens about every two weeks or so. Okay. I'm just loving this idea of having all of your plants together in the bath and then giving them all a shower. It's it very does, cute. It honestly looks like a tropical jungle, especially because I have some <laughs> tall ones um, and mm -hmm. then the water drips down onto the other. It's just like it creates a very calming, relaxing feeling when I do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds so lovely. Um so uh, between the different seasons, um, you know, so you mentioned before that humidity and like how hot it is can change everything. So I'm guessing as well between winter and summer, there's like a big difference in how you care for your plants. I guess yeah. what are some differences there? Uh, the main reason that there's differences between the season is because the plants sort of slow growth. Um, mm -hmm. Some people say they become dormant, but for most plants, that's not completely true. Um, it's just not their active growing season because the temperatures have dropped um, and they slow growth when it's cold. So when 
growth is slower, um, they'll absorb less water for photosynthesis, which means there's more water in the soil available. You don't need to water as often. You don't really need to fertilize because they're not growing a lot. They don't need those nutrients. So fertilizing too much over autumn and winter um, can lead to over-fertilizing. Um, and generally, because growth is slow, you wouldn't do things like heavy pruning or repotting um, because it'll take them a bit longer to recover. Um, it's best to do any of those care things in early spring when they're about to kick off growth just so that they can recover as quickly as possible. You mentioned also, so fertilizing, how often should we be doing that? Because I don't fertilize my plants ever. And a lot of people don't fertilize. Um, I'm also definitely guilty of that just because it's it's an extra step that it's like, oh, do I really have to do this? Um, but it is quite important for older houseplants that you've had for quite a while. Um, mm -hmm. Growers and nurseries pack pots with fertilizer to make them look good um, for selling. So generally, mm -hmm. you don't need to fertilize when you've brought it home. They should be happy for quite a while. Um, I've had plants that I haven't fertilized for a year or so, and they still look fun. But eventually, mm -hmm. because they're in that container, um, they're going to run out of nutrients if you don't repot and give them new soil, which is where fertilizer comes in. Um, the speed of growth will influence how often you need to fertilize. Um, if your plant's growing really quickly, if it's in great conditions, it's going to use up more of those nutrients. Whereas if it's in a lower light area where it's sort of just surviving and not really growing as much, uh, you don't need to fertilize as often. Um, but generally, it's every four to six weeks or so, only in spring and summer um, with liquid fertilizers. I normally use a half dose because um, full strength fertilizers can sometimes cause more damage than good, depending on the product you're using. Um, mm -hmm. But they all have different ratios and concentrations. So the most important thing is to just read the instructions on the packaging. And then I normally halve that just to sort of see how it goes. If the plants look like they could do a small fertilizer, then I'll use the full dose. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I probably should get some um, some more, get some fertilizer for my plants. I think that might be why one of my oldest ones has died recently. Yeah. It's very it just helpful, gave up. especially if um, it, you know your plants might look like they're surviving but mm -hmm. you don't know how good they could be growing if they have the right nutrients. So it's also mm -hmm. fun after fertilizing to to watch them put out new leaves or flowers um, because they do have everything they need rather than just the bare minimum. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I'll do a video documentary of my <laughs> plants before and after. <laughs> yeah, I love those like time-lapse videos. So, I mean, it would mm. be a long time-lapse, but it would be that, very that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my dad used to bring plants inside in winter. Um, would you recommend doing that? So he did some outside plants, uh, like a lemon tree, yeah. and then bring them inside? Yes. That's uh, a good it idea. It depends on the climate that you live in. Um, mm -hmm. There's sort of debate about it because you don't, like I said, plants don't like changes in conditions. So you don't really want to move them to a completely different environment. But if you live in a climate where temperatures drop below what the plants need, 
um, then you have to bring them indoors or they'll die. Um, most tropical mm. plants will face a lot of cold damage um, and may not recover the following season. It causes a lot of stress. So people just bring them indoors to protect them. Um, you can also use things like frost covers, but the general temperature is still cold, so it's not great for them. Um, mm -hmm. But as long as when you bring them indoors, you give them very similar conditions. So if they were in full sun, like a lemon tree should be, they need to be in front of a very bright window just to sort mm -hmm. of make up for the, the changes in conditions that they would have moving between the two spaces. And would you put them like near a heater or should plants be anywhere near a heater or very far away from a heater? Usually very far, especially <laughs> I have those fan heaters, which are terrible because they use so much power. Um, but the changes in conditions from that heater actually causes more problems. Mm -hmm. um, it's also the same reason you shouldn't leave your plants in front of an open window if you have like a lot of air flowing through. Um, they like airflow, but not too much because it rapidly changes um, the environment around the plants. Mm -hmm. So um, putting them next to a heater, especially ones that are very hot, um, will probably kill them very quickly. If uh, you have a heater that sort of generally heats up a room, that's mm -hmm. um, not terrible as long as it stays that temperature mm -hmm. consistently rather than switching it on and off and temperatures go up and down, which will um, cause them more stress. Okay, so like a, I guess, evenly heated room is better than one that gets cold and then gets hot and then gets cold. Yes, very much okay. so, yeah. Hmm. So it's a bit like me. <laughs> um, does humidity have a role when it comes to growing plants? Very much so, but it also depends on the plants you want to mm -hmm. grow. Um, most indoor plants are tropical they come from rainforests where humidity is uh, at minimum above 75%. Mm -hmm. And whenever you're growing plants, you want to try and match the conditions in their native habitats as much as you mm -hmm. can. Um, so for most houseplants, especially the common ones like uh, monsteras, they need um, relatively high humidity. Uh, aim for about 60%, but above 40% is normally okay. If you have very dry air inside your home, which some people do, they really struggle to grow tropical plants successfully. Um, I always recommend using a humidifier. It just sort of gives them those conditions and it doesn't have to be a general like massive thing. I have a small uh, humidifier that I keep just in a cabinet with some of the plants that like really high humidity, um, just to give them the, the conditions that they prefer um, and to stop them from drying out. Um, one of the signs of low humidity is um, if the tips of the leaves turn brown, which can be caused by a few other things. But um, if you have very low humidity, especially in a season where it's not um, very rainy, then that is a sign that they probably need a humidifier or some, some extra humidity. That's a great tip because I think that that happened to my plant. <laughs> Actually, I think everything bad has happened to my plants. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we, even with the research that I've done with the amounts of plants that I'm cared for, I still kill a bunch of plants. Um, mm -hmm. It's just it's just what happens. But the more plants you grow and terribly, the more plants you kill, the more you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Does, do plants have like a limited lifespan? 
It's an interesting question because, um, you know, when we think of trees, they say this tree lives 20 years and then it um, dies off. Uh, with houseplants, it's tricky to say. Um, I think most houseplants die before their expected lifespan because of something we've done wrong or because of mm-hmm. um, conditions and, and care, um, those related things. But there's also... Um, if you think of African violets, how popular these plants are and they are coveted and passed down from generation to generation. As long as they're in the right conditions, they they should theoretically live forever or not forever, but like they should live for a very long time um, mm-hmm. if they're happy where they are. Um, most houseplants don't live that long um, because eventually something goes wrong, but um, mm-hmm. that is sort of how it works. Also, when they're grown in containers, it's not a, a natural place for them. Um, they normally won't live as long as expected if they were planted outdoors in the perfect environment. So it's kind of like the opposite of pets, because pets live longer because they're inside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but plants live not as long. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately. So what's a practice that you do to sort of keep your own um, plants um, healthy? And usually um, it doesn't happen every day. You know, life gets in the way sometimes. But what I like to do is sort of just walk around and check on the plants. Um, It doesn't mean I'll necessarily do everything um, that day. But um, in the morning, sort of um, taking a look at them, checking the soil just to see if there's any problems. It also allows you to pick up issues a lot quicker. So if you spot a leaf that's turning yellow or a pest problem, you can deal with it straight away. And it'll uh, help you decide the perfect time to water. So not necessarily actively doing um, something every day, but because I have so many plants, I need to keep an eye on them and know how they're doing uh, every day. So I just sort of take a walk around, you know, with the morning coffee, um, check on them and make sure everything's looking good. And how do you think that um, impacts, how do you think plants impact your home? Well, there's tons of impacts. First of all, it just looks better. I, I love mm-hmm. the look of plants. Obviously, houseplants plants have grown in popularity in recent years. And I think one of the reasons for that is they just are a great decor element. Um, we don't want to treat them as inanimate decor because they are living things, but I think they do just brighten a space um, and bring nature that you might not have around you outdoors, indoors, um, to to sort of bring that connection in. Um, but also there's a whole bunch of studies proving that they um, improve your mood, um, I have a few in my office because they're also proven to improve productivity. There's, um, yeah, there's tons of, of benefits, aesthetic and sort of personal. Um, and the act of caring for them is also, um, it provides a lot of satisfaction. It's a calming activity and just sort of connects you with nature inside your own home. Oh, that's lovely. And yeah, I really do love having my plants. I talk to them sometimes just yeah. to see how they're going. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything that we've missed that you wanted to discuss? Um, I think um, if 
any of this sounds sort of overwhelming, I thought I would uh, recommend a couple of sort of beginner-friendly plants um, that people can start with if it sounds a bit too much. Um, so the first one would be a ZZ plant. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very, very tough plant. Uh, I have a couple that I've been sort of forgotten about. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> guilty of leaving a plant there and then sort of wondering what's happened to it. But I have never killed one. It's always survived no matter what conditions I put them in. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, there are optimal conditions for them to grow better. But as of yet, I've had for three or four years and I have not killed them yet. Um, another one is a pothos, which is quite popular um, for hanging baskets or trailing down shelves. You can also train them up um, a wall or something like that. Um, and they're also pretty much impossible to kill. Um, even though their leaves are relatively thin, they are very drought tolerant. They can handle, if you forget to water, it's not a problem and they grow very quickly. Um, they're also great to propagate. So mm -hmm. if you want extra plants, um, you can do that. Um, but those two are not very pet friendly. So if you do have pets, then I would recommend the spider plant. Um, mm -hmm. It's another one that's easy to propagate, looks good in hanging baskets um, and they can grow quite big or you can keep them small. So it's good for any sort of indoor space. I actually got a spider plant from my neighbor during a windstorm. One of them blew off <laughs> with it on the ground. There was a yeah. little tiny bit of green left on it. I decided, oh, I'll just pop it in some soil, see what happens. Great. It's flourishing. Yeah, they so, grow rapidly. And the, the little um, pups that they produce, uh, they're so easy to root. You just pop them in a glass of water and they produce roots within like a week. Um, mm. so you can have a house full of spider plants within two years or so if they're growing well. Yeah. Yeah. My, my ones are now having little pups everywhere and I'm like, oh, do I want to have more? <laughs> it's how many always is too good many? to have more plants. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or I like to just share them with people. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I've propagated, I propagate my monsteras every two months or so. Um, and I think I've definitely had capacity at this point, even though they're my favorite houseplants. So mm -hmm. I like to just sort of hand them out to, to people who might need them. It's always good to, to share, uh, the fruits of your labor. Mm -hmm. And you look so, it looks like you spent a lot of money on it because they yeah, can be quite yeah. expensive sometimes. Yeah. They make great birthday gifts. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't have to mention that you've propagated it. It can just yeah. be put in a nice pot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we've also got some questions from the audience. Yes. Um, so our first one is, so the signs of overwatering and underwatering are similar. How can we tell the difference? It's very difficult. I've also seen a lot of things online of people complaining about these articles that say, when you have yellow leaves, it could be overwatering or it could be underwatering. You could be fertilizing too little or you could be fertilizing too much. So it's very much down to analyzing your own care routine. Um, with overwatering, a lot of the time, if the problem is so bad that um, it's visible in the leaves, the soil will stay moist because the roots aren't drawing up any moisture. And if it's underwatering, the soil will be very dry. It gets <laughs> compacted. Um, the soil also sort of draws away from the sides of the pot. Um, so it's normally easy to tell that way, but if it's sort of, um, 50, 50, 
it's best to analyze your own care routine and think, have I watered it when it didn't need it? Did I forget to water? And from that sort of decide which of the two is more likely. Okay, that's great because that's definitely something that um, I have experienced where I thought I was watering it fine and it was actually too much. Um, yeah. Luckily, again, my dad was able to diagnose it for me. <laughs> yeah, it is It is a very common issue, but unfortunately mm-hmm. all signs are very similar. I think there's probably more than 10 causes of yellowing leaves on a lot of houseplants. So actually tracking down what the issue is is um, hard detective work. Mm. What about signs for a healthy plant? In, uh, it depends on the season, um, but in spring and summer, normally new growth is always a good sign. Roots are always expanding to support more growth above the soil. So um, any new leaf is always a great sign, very exciting. Also, color is a big indicator. Um, for example, low light can impact the color of your plants. Um, so when um, when they're healthy and happy, they'll normally be a healthy green. Otherwise, they sort of lose their color a bit. Um, and generally just, they look good normally when you buy them. If they keep looking good, that's a good sign. Um, but if you notice any leaves dropping, changing color, um, or any like pests and disease signs, then that's normally a sign that there's an issue. So um, our, th- our third question is, um, do how do we know that um, pl- the plants are getting enough sunlight? Uh, normally new growth is, is the best sign um, if they look mm-hmm. happy. Um, a lot of the time with uh, indoor plants, they're not getting enough light. <laughs> um, we, mm-hmm. a lot of spaces just don't have the right amount of sun indoors. So. And people underestimate the amount of light that they actually have. Um, for example, today is a very cloudy day at the light levels, even right in front of a window, are not going to be enough for the plants. Um, but new growth is generally a good sign. If they don't show any signs of struggle and if the soil continually dries out before you water again, um, then that's a sign they are getting enough light. If they aren't getting enough light, they'll probably stretch towards the closest light source. They might um, start wilting or drooping because they don't have enough energy. They obviously won't put out any new leaves um, or new growth if they aren't getting enough sunlight. This reminds me of a plant that I have, which I propagated and I gave to my mum. And she doesn't ha- she doesn't have her, she has this in a very dark area. So the leaves of her plant are very dark, um, but it's also really big, this plant. The ones that I have, um, possibly because I keep propagating them and splitting them, but they're very light, the leaves. Um, I guess what's good for it? How much light? I mean, I guess it's hard because you don't know which plant it is, but what is this a sign of? Uh, Generally, um, most plants would prefer bright indirect light indoors so they want to be super super close to a window but just not in the path of direct sun because that can also burn the leaves um Mm -hmm. this is the closest match to what most of the plants would receive outdoors but if you're growing succulents for example then they need to be right in front of that window in the direct sun um if you want to keep their 
their shape. Um, when propagating houseplants quite often, I find it does take them a while to bounce back depending on the conditions they're in. So they won't look as full um, as mm -hmm. usual. Also, when you get a plant from a nursery, often it's quite overcrowded already. So they look a lot more abundant than they normally mm -hmm. would. Um, but over time, I think the longer we have houseplants, because the conditions are always not quite perfect, they're always going to look not as great as they used to, even if they are happy and even if they have um, great care. Um, it's just not the right environment for them to like really perform. Mm -hmm. um, so they'll always look a little bit diminished, um, but as long as they're healthy and there's no problems, then then it's fun. Yeah, that's all of our questions today from the audience. Great. Um, yeah, that was, um, thank you for um, coming on the show. If our listeners want to find out more about you, um, how can they learn about you? Um, my website is uh, madisonmoulton.com, um, which has uh, some of my work. Um, but most of my um, plant-related stuff uh, now goes on Instagram, which is also where I'll be starting my cut flower journey. Um, and that's at uh, with love in spades. Uh, other than that, um, my articles are sort of spread over the internet. So if you're doing some plant research, you may see a few of them pop up every now and then. Mm -hmm. That's so nice. Yeah, it'll be a surprise for us. Specific. Um so we'll put some of those links um, that you mentioned into the show notes so people can find that easily. Great. Thank you for joining me today. It was really lovely to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to On The House, produced by the Household Management Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes like this from across 10 life management perspectives can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, and any other podcasting apps available on your smart devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, sharing, and subscribing to our channel as it helps other people to find it so we can grow and continue to bring you quality resources. More of our work can be found on our website, hm.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Gabriella Yastra. Thanks for tuning in.